I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You can brush my hair, undress me anywhere. Imagination, life is your creation. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Yeah! Hi, welcome to Bomb Squad Movie Night episode number 130. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. I'm your host and master of ceremony, Ken Arrow Kitchard Cramped. And with me, I have. Hi, I'm Earring Magic Ken with collectible 1990s Eurobeat CD. Hi, I'm Malfunctioned Ken that only owns one pair of pink, so that's why of shorts, and that's why I'm wearing on my head. I'm Rain. I am Mojo Jojo, and this is Mojo Jojo's Mojo Dojo Casa House. I'm Matchbox's fashion doll line, Women of Robotech's Dana Sterling. And a uh, special guest returning for the third time, if memory serves me correctly. And I'm Laura Ken Barbito. <laughs> Lauren, what are you? Plug some shit. God damn it, I said it again. What are you? I'm non-binary. Gotta, gotta do that again. I have nothing to plug right now. Uh, I'm gonna be on this podcast that's dropping later this week, so... Today we are discussing maybe the biggest movie of 2023, maybe even bigger than Mario. We are discussing Greta Gerwig's third feature film as a solo director, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! I can. We're skipping the warm-up question, foregoing that entirely, and going straight into overall thoughts on Barbie, the biggest movie of the year, and we're starting with Austin. Uh, my husband and I actually dragged our friend to see this, and they hadn't been to a movie theater in over three years. We saw Barbie on the Ultra Screen DLX at the Chesterfield Galaxy Theater, one of the largest screens in our area, and I had no idea what we were doing at the time was tantamount to, like, shoving a kitten in a rocket ship. When we were leaving, they asked if movies are just like that now, visually bombarding you like the end of 2001. And I was like, no, Barbie's special. As like a sort of neoliberal exercise in exploring representation, this film is deeply charming. Far from that goofy, like all female lineup during the climactic fight of Endgame, girls get it done and the boys. When you see black president Barbie and dancing paraplegic fashionistas 132 Barbie, you're just like, hell yeah. This film Feels organic and is probably making some people very happy to see. Reporter Barbie, you can ask me any question you want. Well, how come you're so amazing? <laughs> no comment. Ah! Barbie Land is a wonderful setting on a visual and a conceptual level, and my brain lit up like a rat getting cheese when America Ferreira stated that Barbie Land had no defense against the sudden introduction of patriarchy because of its, like, perpetual girl boss origins. That whole plotline was a stroke of genius. While it's slightly worrying that Greta Gerwig ultimately wants to be a tentpole IP director for the big studios, she's clearly demonstrated that she can push the boundaries of the system far enough to keep her movies from feeling soulless. Also, as an exercise in silliness, this movie felt like a triumph. Easy access to comedy through like short form content online like TikToks and the, the sort of mass rejection of humor that punches down disrupted the theatrically released comedy pipeline. Like for some creatives, it has clearly been difficult trying to 
imagine what profitable style of humor falls in that gap. And with Barbie, you've got a very consistent, absurd brand of millennial humor that seemed to land well more often than not, at least at my screening. Ryan Gosling delivers the most hilarious performance I've seen since Ray Fiennes in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Possibly one of the funniest feel-good comedies I've seen since Booksmart came out. All that, and it somehow made me experience more strong feelings than Oppenheimer did. Uh, it's especially weird seeing a nostalgia-driven IP film where the famous character comes to life in the real world at the end. Goodbye to the holy mountain. Real life awaits us. Much to think about, surprisingly. Overall, I love this movie. Considering the limitations it was probably made under, paint magic, pure joy, real tears, back to you, Tanner. Oh, great stuff, great stuff, Austin. Now, we're moving on to Tim. So, Tanner, I believe you put this on the schedule, like, as soon as those first stills came out of Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling in the skates. Yeah. I wasn't quite sold on it, just on its face. I put myself down as a maybe, I think. But then that first teaser dropped where it was that first scene that was, uh, pun intended, aping 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I immediately was like, okay, I get this. I'm down for this. And so I went to see it with my girlfriend, and we both had a great time with it. Looks like this beach is a little too much beach for you, Ken. If I wasn't severely injured, I would beat you off right now, Ken. She noted that evidently there were some parts that I laughed at harder than she did, which was fun. I definitely think my favorite joke out of the whole movie is when she's crying and saying, I, I'm not pretty, I'm worthless, and the narrator just goes, note to the filmmakers, Margot Robbie's not the right casting for this part. That's just gold. Great line. I really appreciated the nuance they took when they approached the whole Ken thing, which, like, by now, this movie's been out for, like, close to a month. You've seen all of the bad takes by Ben Shapiro and his ilk about how this is bashing men, which is just simply not true. Like, the whole point is showing how they were mistreated when it was just all of the girls ruling Barbie land. Like, they were just kind of a second thought to everybody. So it's like showing how there's imperfections in both worlds. And it's showing how toxic masculinity hurts men just as much as it hurts women, which I think is a, a very nuanced take that it had. Also, real quick, want to shout out Rhea Perlman. When I saw her name in the opening credits, I was like, I did not know she was in this. But I thought she was really good as Ruth. I loved all of her scenes. She still has that same wit as she did when she she was Carla in Cheers, but she had a wholesomeness to her character that I really appreciated. Overall, good time. Back to you, Tanner. Thank you very much. Uh, I do want to specifically shout out Rhea Perlman and just one aspect of her performance I really liked, which was when she kept alluding to the real life fact that the inventor of Barbie did have a lot of problems with the IRS and did commit a lot of tax fraud. Uh, yeah. Pants Boy, we're moving on to you. All right. I'm going to speed drive, LOL, soundtrack preference, LOL, through all my points that I thought were worth throwing out. Good movie. Great movie. Second best movie of the year for me. Yeah, another W from Margot Robbie. Always cool to witness an artist. In real time that we talked about for decades to come. Same goes for Ryan Gosling, too. I thought the two of them did fantastic performances. What are you doing here? I'm coming with you. Did you bring your rollerblades? I literally go nowhere without them. Margot Robbie, I thought, did a great job. Really bring emotional pathos alongside, you know, inherently comedic performance. And then Ryan Gosling, yeah, just a masterclass, like, example of just, like, a pure comedy performance. 
You tell like every line, all of his blocking is like, how can I make this as funny as possible? And he succeeded in that. And this has to be the best fictional character enters the real world movie ever made. It's not a lot of competition, but still, that was worth mentioning. Love to see an American studio comedy that actually has a sense of visual style and flair. From what I understand, it's like the production design is so great that apparently, I think I even saw like Ben Shapiro was like, yeah, I, even I think it's pretty good production design. I was like, oh, wow, uh, that's pretty neat. It is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. On every possible level, it is a horrific movie. The only thing that can be said for this film is production design. Production design is really nice. Lastly, I'm a bit undecided where I stand about a piece of media's ability to criticize commercialism when it is at least partially a commercial in of itself. But what I do know is that Girl would create a far more nuanced analysis of gender politics than I think most were expecting from a Barbie movie. And I don't know, if, if capitalists are going to hang themselves with the news they use to sell, fuck. I wrote it down. Why can't I you say the words? You know the quote. That's probably a good thing. Let them buy the news. Let them sell the news that will uh, be around their necks uh, or something. Back to you, Tanner. It's a great movie. I love you, Rain. I love you so much, baby. He's got pants now? He's pants now? He is pants now. Let's stop this train. We're going on to the only non-he-him here, Lauren. What's up? Also not a she-her, but that's fine. I feel like I, I can relate enough to women that I got the parts of the movie that were for women. Also, my friends keep disagreeing with me when I say this, and that's totally fine. Everyone can feel how they feel about this movie, but I really feel like the overarching message of the Barbie movie was for men. And judging by the fact that I am surrounded by he-hims in this discussion, and we have a pretty big group here tonight, I think I might be onto something. This one is for the you know, they're canning all over the place. They're canning everywhere. It's just been so much fun. As many Twitter users have rightfully pointed out, there are no police in Barbie land. None. We have mermaids. We have astronauts who can wave to the other Barbies from space. A president, lawyers, and doctors, but no cops. Police in the real world exist first and foremost to protect white male landowners, and in Barbie land for the first half of the film, there is no priority placed on men whatsoever. When Barbie and Ken enter the real world, Ken becomes obsessed with horses because he sees police riding them, and he thinks that horses are masculinity enhancers. You can even see the influence of the carceral police state in the real world at Mattel headquarters, which looks like a prison where every man is wearing the same outfit, juxtaposed against the FBI headquarters, which looks bright and sunny. In the real world, male oppressors are the only people who get to experience any joy or color in life, and everyone else is doomed to a dull existence under capitalism. Ken, however, sees that these real-life men have power and influence, and he wants a piece of that. He takes patriarchy back to Barbie land and turns it into Kendom and wreaks havoc on all the Barbies, even turning some of them into indentured servant bangmaids for himself and the other Kens. And then Kendrew Tate says he loved the real world because he walked around and felt respected for just being himself. But I think we need to take this one step deeper and look at a quote from Tumblr user Stimmy Abbey, who wrote, sometimes people use the word respect to mean treating someone like a person. And sometimes they use it to mean treating someone like an authority. For some, if you don't respect me, I don't respect you means if you don't treat me like an authority, I won't treat you like a person. And that to me is the main difference between Barbie land and Kendom. Now, to really get to the heart of my point, I need to take an anecdote from my own life. Many years ago, I was dating a videographer who would often tell me about the projects he was working on. There is one that stuck out for me for a long time because I couldn't figure out why his description of what he was filming bothered me so much. He told me that he had been filming a group of Latino men 
and documenting their culture. And he told me, you know, they didn't really have any sense of personal identity. They were just super into machismo and acting masculine and tough. I remember thinking, that is so racist. But for years, I couldn't put my finger on why. And Barbie finally helped me put the pieces together. And I feel so vindicated. My videographer ex failed to realize that masculinity is the foundation of most American men's whole identity too. The entire point of Ken's character arc in Barbie is that for many men, especially the most toxic ones who permeated mainstream culture recently, masculinity is their entire personality. Gloria teaches Barbie that it's impossible to be a woman in today's society because of the expectations men place on us. But my favorite line in her monologue was that women have to answer from men's bad behavior. Men truly do expect women to be their mommies, just like Gloria tells the Barbies when she's deprogramming them from Kendom. Barbie's final message to Ken is that he needs to learn who he is without his girlfriend. And when my current boyfriend started crying in his seat next to me, I realized he was absolutely getting more out of this movie than I was. After all, Gloria entire climactic speech was literally just the cool girl monologue from Gone Girl adjusted for a PG-13 neoliberal audience. But I think it goes deeper <laughs> than that. Shit, it was! So many men's hobbies and interests revolve around fitting in with other men, and my videographer ex failed to notice that his Sunday night football parties with the boys weren't so far off from the machismo culture he thought that he was so above. There were so many times during this movie where I thought to myself, Boy, Greta Gerwig is so lucky that Ken already rhymes with men. Is Ken just Ken? No, he's just men. Bars. Nice. Hey, Cab, all cops aren't Barbie. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking t-shirt right there. Ethan, are you ready? Uh, yeah, no, um, I, I don't think I'm going to offer anything quite so insightful, but I suppose my reading of this film more came from, once again, our wonderful friends over at the Webster University Film Series. They did a wonderful series on the films of Greta Gerwig, so I was able to see uh, both of her directorial efforts, um, several starring efforts, and uh, co-writing efforts like Francis Ha. I, I guess my discussion will be more centered around that, I suppose, and just because I think it's very interesting as a third feature. It is uh, quite different. <gasps> But all three of her films are very different from one another in a delightful sort of way. But I feel like it's interesting in that Barbie is probably the most straightforward narrative in a lot of ways. There's not that cutting through time that you get in Little Women or even Lady Bird, which is obviously cutting through time quite a bit as well. This is the most, you know, sort of one slice of time uh, getting a straightforward narrative. And she still handles that admirably here, I think. I think it's really effective and probably, you know, a very strong effort. The problem is that her uh, filmography is already extremely exceptional. Just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. But, you know, it's building on a lot of, you know, pre-existing themes uh, in previous works, which I think is pretty compelling. Um, you know, obviously a lot of her films very much center women, and Barbie is no exception. Um, I was able to see this in a theater with my partner and her parents, and that was a really fun experience, seeing, you know, the wide variety of people who could enjoy this picture, you know, kind of some older conservative types, too. We saw this in St. Charles, and everyone seemed really into it, sort of near opening day. But you don't even know how to beat yourself off. How are you going to beat both of us off? It doesn't make sense. Can? You, you beat yourself? Oh, sure. gonna beat both on, of us off. Nobody's going to beat anyone off. 
there's a lot to love about it. I think it's got particularly exceptional production design, as has been mentioned. But there's there's a certain way of moving the characters too, particularly in the opening, where this affinity for like wire foo kind of action that kind of gives it the sense of like a child jerking around their dolls, which I really appreciate. It's a lot of the subtler touches in the actual motion as much as the details in production design, which are all very masterfully done. Even in the real world, Mattel headquarters is you know another sort of excellent piece of production design. I'm glad that they don't sort of rest on their laurels and do that thing where you put all the budget into a few sets when you're in the fantasy world and then He-Man suddenly is transported to the real world where he drives around with the regular teenagers on Hollywood backlots with no real differences made. I liked it a lot and I feel like I don't want to step on the better points made here by reiterating them uh, pretty much. Uh, Michael Sarah, actually, the one thing, uh, since he wasn't spotlighted quite so much, I thought he was really exceptional. I leaned over to my partner and said, new Scott Pilgrim looks great during the action sequences with Alan and it was really fun seeing him in a feature again he did a really exceptional job hi Barbie oh hi Alan there are no multiples of Alan he's just Alan yeah I'm confused about that but yeah just all around great performances and really stellar film and I'm glad I got to see it Great stuff, Ethan. And I agree 100% about Michael Sarah, especially. And that sequence where, like, he goes to fuck up the other Kens, which, first of all, is followed by one of my favorite jokes in the movie, which is, once they figure out how to build sideways instead of up, it's over. <laughs> Love that line. Uh, but he's exceptional. And I just never in a million years saw him just kicking all of their asses, like, without even breaking a sweat coming. And, like, it kind of played into Michael Sarah really well. Cast all around, like you were saying, Ethan was exceptional. I guess I'm just going to get into my thoughts of this movie. Barbenheimer weekend was a great weekend because my favorite movie of the year was Oppenheimer and my second favorite movie of the year was Barbie. It's probably the best comedy of the year. This is the first movie I can think of that I think of as a comedy before anything else that has crossed the billion dollar mark that I can think of off the top of my head. Not that box office matters that much. I'm just a nerd and I can't think of anything else that I think of comedy first that has grossed this much money uh, except for Joker. Like Ethan was saying, I was afraid they were going to do the he man thing and just like make half of the movie take place in the real world which would have been a shame considering the exceptional production design but they didn't do that where are we going barbie land what mom are you really gonna let barbie take you and your tween daughter to an imaginary land the script of this movie, I think, is really brilliant. All the jokes are really funny, and the cast, I think, does a great job of delivering them. And I think it actually does make some excellent commentary about, not that I am a woman, but what it means to be a woman in the world. Hey, Brad, check out Malibu Barbie. Where's the beach, honey? I will beef both of you off at the same time. I do think it's interesting how, and Lauren was sort of tapping into this before, but there's this line in the movie about how the real world is the opposite of Barbie land. And I feel like the Kens in Barbie land were still being treated a hell of a lot better than women are in our world. I don't think it's a very fair one-to-one comparison. Don't get me wrong. What Ken was going through kind of sucked. Being just kind of like completely thought of as an afterthought, kind of unfortunate, but... He wasn't murdered or assaulted, so I don't know. Because there were no cops. The big thing for me that I want to talk to about this movie and why I related to it so much, and this is called the part of the episode where Tanner tells on himself a lot. I heavily related to Ken's arc in the movie. Barbie has a great day every day, but Ken only has a great day if Barbie looks at him. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. As anyone that's in my Twitter circle knows, I am often bitching and moaning about my lack of luck in romantic 
aspects. It's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> he said that with such disdain. I have a tendency, even though I have a lot going well in my life, I have a well-paying union job with a lot of benefits that are really awesome. I get 15 sick days a year and 12 vacation days. It's amazing. I have family that I have a good relationship with. Not a lot of people can say that. I have friends that love and care for me and are willing to put up with my bullshit and even give me rides to places because I don't drive here. <laughs> And despite all that, I often find myself feeling down because I don't have a partner. Or to put it more succinctly, I'm a little baby boy because I don't have a girlfriend. I might stay over tonight. Why? Because we're girlfriend boyfriend. To do what? Arby's, we have the meat. And I don't know, the whole point of the movie, especially at the end where Margot Robbie's like, you need to figure out who you are, figure out who Ken is. Something about that hit a very personal note. As someone who tends to center my lack of failures and my lack of failure, scratch that, reverse it. Willy Wonka as my failures in romance, as like my biggest personal failing when in reality doesn't fucking matter that much. So to see Ken, someone who like desperately just wanted Barbie to like care about him a little bit the same way he felt about her and then like reacting so bitterly as I probably would have as a young man I don't know hit a really personal note for me and that's probably what I got the most out of the movie me and Lauren's boyfriend I guess have a lot in common not the only time I cried though I also cried at Barbie calling that old woman at the bus stop beautiful and I also cried at the montage with all the believe it or not the cast and crew's families <laughs> that's what I was saying when it was actually the montage of the cast and crew's families as that Billy Eilish song plays and it's beautiful um I have some more stuff I want to say there's a specific thing I, I want to ask all of you guys but we'll get to it in general discussion see you in a minute bye adieu you think this is a joke you see Ken and Barbie over there they're gonna walk out of here without even a slap on the wrist great welcome back from that commercial break here's a commercial do you like palette do you like movie or do you like color? Then you're gonna love moviepalette.com. You know those Instagram ass aesthetic posts you've been seeing about these little, 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 little motherfucking, look at that shit, punch drunk love right there. You can have one of your own. Go to moviepalette.com, add one to your cot, and before you hit check, what the f Boston accent, before you check out, go ahead and enter the code SQUAD15 at checkout. That way you can save 15% or more on cart. That way you can save 15% on your order. Jesus Order Christ. now. <laughs> it's a scary time in the film industry. Rich fat cat producers are treating everybody like shit and hoarding all the profits like that dragon from the Hobbit movies. Some unions are on strike, but this is a war of attrition and they need your help to ultimately stop these greedy shit bags. Consider donating to the Entertainment Community Fund, the Snack List, or Groceries for Writers. Help us make a better future for everybody, not just the fucking CEOs. Donate today. Donate to SAG-AFTRA or the Writers Guild of America. Not fake unions like the police union. Yeah. All right, guys. I have a very serious question about this movie. What was your favorite line in the movie? For me personally, it was either the, when Will Ferrell's talking about like, I'm the son of a mother. I'm the mother of the son. I'm the niece and nephew of an aunt. I have friends who are Jewish. It was either that one, or I think my actual favorite one was once I found out the patriarchy wasn't about horses, I kind of lost interest. How about you guys? 
America Ferreira's daughter calls Barbie a fascist, and Barbie is crying after this, and she's like, oh, she called me a fascist? I don't even control the railways or the flow of commerce. <laughs> I found that to be very funny. I already kind of <laughs> said mine, the narrator thing, but I also did like when Ruth came out and uh, Will Ferrell just goes, her ghost has a room in the 13th floor. Uh, that was a good bit. I think there's a lot of great dry humor throughout the film, but uh, I'm a big fan of Please Call Me Mother from Will Ferrell. I feel like this this performance in general is probably the best of, uh, like, man-child Will Ferrell since, like, maybe Elf, even. Sorry I can't ride with you the rest of the way up, but this is where my dad works. Well, have a good time. Oh, I forgot to give you a hug! Just, like, the, the place where the shtick works the best. Agreed. I fucking love Please Call Me Mother and just, no. My favorite line it was from that girl who's in the movie for, like, at 15 seconds but when Barbie gets to the school and she's about to approach Sasha and start talking to her, this, like, little ostensibly neurodivergent girl comes out and, like, explains the rules of talking to Sasha to Barbie. She's like, no, you can't talk to Sasha. She can only talk to you. I loved her. I really loved her. I loved that kid. She was the star of the film to me. Something about that moment seemed, like, very Ladybird too. Uh, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but yeah. I can only imagine that in the movie Ladybird, that exact scene happens just slightly off screen, even though they take place in different... <laughs> years. I want to imagine that's what's happening. But it's like a similar school setting, though. It might be the same school. Who knows? Rain, do you remember a line? Honestly, I'm probably just going to copy-paste Tanner's answers. Those are probably my favorite lines. Damn, Rain. I would have thought you would have said, Sublime! Sublime! I do love him, go <laughs> him going off screen and just going, Sublime! <laughs> Apparently how that worked is that every take, Ryan Gosling said a different line, and Sublime was the one that stuck, and I get it. I love her as a writer, as a director. Did you just hold on to one second? Sublime! I knew that she would be doing something that feels relevant and current. That's amazing. I was a little bit thrown when you said favorite line instead of favorite visual gag. Because for me, a lot of what yeah. I remember is visual gags. Exactly. The war scene at the beach. Simu Liu shows up and he's being carried by a crowd of dudes. And he has one of those rainbow sort of twirling ribbon things. And I just lost my goddamn mind. Or the horses in the background when Kendom is happening. On all their TVs, they just have horses. Stock footage of horses. That scene, the one you're talking about on the beach during the musical number sequence, reminds me of a fun fact. So this movie came out, what, three weeks ago? Maybe four? Um, anyway, I have already spent 170 minutes of my life life listening to I'm Just Ken. Yeah. That is over two and a half hours. Ethan, you said that like a soldier returning from war. I just got back from the beaches of Barbie land. <laughs> <laughs> the Saving Private Ryan scene, except it's a bunch of Kens. Speaking of Saving Private Ryan, Mattel also owns the Street Sharks toy line, and for a toy fair promotion, Vin Diesel presented the Street Sharks toys. I want this clip in the episode, Austin. Show the people Vin Diesel in that vest with no shirt under it, selling people street sharks. Over here we have the incredible hand sharks. They're alive. Kids bring them to life. Kid controlled. That's very Vin Diesel to be fair. Um, I'm just Ken. I like both of the musical numbers in here. I'm just Ken and also Push by Matchbox 20. Very funny. I told a friend of mine before they saw the movie, I subtly brought up Push by Matchbox 20 and uh, made them play it in the car to try and prepare them for this. And they told me they appreciated that because it made the scene <laughs> even funnier. Because apparently a lot of the kids don't know that it's a cover. They thought it was an original song. That great, God damn it. <laughs> Is Matchbox 20 classic rock now? Yeah. It's basically dad rock. 
They mentioned it in the movie, too. If it's 20 years old, it's Dad Rock. But I feel like Matchbox 20 came out on the scene as Dad Rock, in my opinion. Yeah, to be fair, mm. a lot of their songs are just Dad Rock. They have 3 a.m., which is like just an actually very, very great song, and then a bunch of other songs that I like, but very much would not be out of place in a playlist that also featured Creed and Lips of an Angel. So... <laughs> Oh, that's mean. Did any of you hear about the Diablo Cody thing? Oh, that she was supposed to be the person who wrote and directed this? And like, she was like, I can't do it or something. I can't remember. She was on the project, I think, for several years until 2018 and did not turn in a single draft. And apparently while she was working on it, executives were just poking their heads in the window like, make it like the Lego movie. Can you do it like the Lego movie? And it was very irritating for her. And um, she was a little bit schemed because this is like an article that came out in July from GQ that Adam Naiman wrote. She was kind of steamed because it was like, well, it's been so long since the Lego movie now. They were able to cast Will Ferrell as the antagonist of this this other movie and no one even noticed. Similar role to sort of what he was in the Lego movie. So it did end up sort of taking something. I didn't even think about that. I think they did that on purpose, though, to try and subvert people's expectations because Will Ferrell is the antagonist for a scene. But once Mm -hmm. the plot really gets kicking, I think Ken's the antagonist, is he not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, honestly, one of my light critiques of the movie would be that I feel like they should either be in the movie less or more. Like, they're just kind of an awkward in-between where they have too much screen time. Like, they have a disproportionate amount of screen time relative to, like, how much, like, weight they have in the story. Like, Will Ferrell, he's very funny in this, but yeah, I just don't. If they're going to be in as much as they are, I wish they had more of an impact than they do. I think it's next-level corporate propaganda. I think that it was actually cold and calculated what they did with the Mattel people. Because there's only two places in this movie depicted as inherently goofy institutions, Barbie Land and Mattel, because they couldn't have the suits be saviors, and they couldn't leave it on that they're like performative feminists. So they worked towards this very careful point at the end, like these people hired psych majors or something to fucking game this out, where they're like harmless buffoons who chase around Barbie and chase around the market. Like, they're not in control, it's Barbie. They're just a flock of fucking stupid dudes being yanked around on a chain. Like, I feel like this is corporate image rehabilitation done in a really like slick way that like is hard to put your finger on. I think that tracks considering there's the whole bit where like the marketing guys are calling Will Ferrell and I was like, oh, the Mojo Doja Casa House, it's flying off the shelves. And Will Ferrell's like, no, I did this to make little girls happy. I don't know why I delivered that like Billy Eichner, but you know. That's, that reminds me of the actual funniest line is the one where he's like, I, I did this to make little girls happy in as non-creepy a way as possible. I do think it was, <laughs> it's very funny seeing how this movie has sort of started the himbofication process of Ryan Gosling. Just that interview where he's talking about, uh, you know, this movie, it's like uh, you're making cinnamon rolls. It's once you open the can, it, you're making cinnamon rolls. And we're just like, what What do you mean by this? this I know what he means by that. Listen, the kins that get it, get it. And the kins that don't, don't. His Mickey Mouse Club days coming through to shine. Ryan, I think you're a cinnamon roll. Beautiful cinnamon <laughs> roll, too pure for this world. I'm going to exclusively talk for the rest of this podcast in 2015 Tumblr quotes. Get ready. Yeah, speaking of Tumblr quotes, or, uh, well, I don't know, Tumblr-adjacent things, I've just been seeing a lot of fanshipping of, of Gloria and Barbie, and I think that's cute, conceptually. Oh, my God. Adding a bit more LGBTQ stuff here. Maybe they're in some polycule at the end. Who knows? I forgot my other favorite line in this, where at the end where they're dropping Barbie off at her gyno appointment and, and, and Sasha's dad 
dance as Si Se Puede. That's a throwback to America Ferrera's like first movie called Gotta Kick It Up. That's like their dance team's little chant that they do. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. Si Se Puede. Si Se Puede. Si Se Puede. Si Se Puede. Wait, I have another favorite line now. All the Duolingo lines were probably my favorite because as a, as a white guy dating a Latina, she got a lot of laughs out of basically a recreation of me trying to learn Spanish on Duolingo. I think that's um, America Ferreira's real husband too. I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. The fact that people are shipping her with Barbie is now even more funny. The second time I saw this movie, I saw this movie twice in theaters. The first time, I think the biggest laugh the theater got was the I have friends who are a Jewish line, right? The second time I saw this movie, when Will Ferrell delivered, I have friends who are Jewish. I laughed my ass off. Dead and silence. nobody else did. Yeah, I was the only laugh in my no. theater. <laughs> that joke. My friend, Tim, different than this Tim, that I saw it with the second time, leaned in and said, if that happens again, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. This Bo is afraid all over again. Because it was a very loud and obnoxious Tanner laugh. And let's be honest, I am a white man with a scraggly beard laughing maybe a little too hard at the Jew joke. Probably not a good look. But Tanner, one of your best friends is Jewish. I'll have you know that according to a DNA test, I am 0.5% as Ganaki. Not even going to try that. Whatever the A <laughs> one is, Jew. Ashkenazi. Yeah, Ashkenazi. That's what Ralph Bakshi is. Hell yeah. Yeah, I am a half a percentage point that. Fun little Barbenheimer fact. So they both massively depleted the supply chain of certain materials used for film production. For Barbie, the production depleted Roscoe's entire supply of fluorescent pink paint, creating the real-life Barbie land set. No one could get pink paint. Meanwhile, Oppenheimer used enough Semtex plastic explosives to create what is probably the largest single explosion ever put on film, so big they had to warn the Department of Defense that it was happening. And thus, for a hot minute, explosives used for film were hard to get. Pink paint and plastic explosive shortages created the coolest weekend in cinema we've seen in a long time. Hold on. Pink paint and plastic explosive shortages is the title of an amazing indie rock debut album. I'm putting it out there. That one's for you to use. All right, whoever the next fucking Arctic Monkeys is, that's for you. Are the mon Arctic Monkeys still hip? Yes, they're evergreen. Maybe the best ending line of a movie all year, rivaled maybe <laughs> only by Oppenheimer. <laughs> I think I destroyed the world is a great ending line. And of course, Oppenheimer has, I'm here to see my gynecologist. <laughs> I, I, I want to see the, the version of that, that that does hard cut to like Vera Lynn's we'll meet again as soon as she said, here to see the gynecologist. And then just a series of explosions, just slap the Dr. Strangelove ending in there. Dr. Strangelove does sound like the name of a gynecologist. Who was it that I said looks like Killian Murphy? My boyfriend? No, I thought Billie Eilish looked like Killian Murphy. <sighs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Does that mean Billie Eilish looks like your boyfriend? This isn't about the movie anymore. Does anything have anyone they want to say before final thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> What's so fucking funny? <laughs> Don't worry about it. You'll, see, you'll hear it in the finished product. All right, final thoughts it is. Frame. Uh, I'm worried I was too nice to this movie because I was critiquing it. I was not advertising it. Don't go after me, WGA. Tim, final thoughts. <laughs> Release the fart opera cut. It's what Greta wants. Someone on Twitter with a big following actually saw that version, apparently. But even without the fart opera, this movie is Kenoff.
All right, Austin, final thoughts, go. Apparently Mattel is just waiting in the wings with like 14 more movies ranging from Polly Pocket to Hot Wheels to Barney. But I don't think that this movie succeeded because it's Barbie. It succeeded because it's Greta Gerwig's Barbie. So hopefully they have 14 other outstanding generational talents waiting in the wings to make those movies. Otherwise, they're about to get hit with that Toy Story 2. I don't want to play with you anymore. Shit real hard. Don't worry, Austin. They have at least one generation talent waiting in the rings. The Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie is being produced and starring Vin Diesel. Ethan, final thoughts. Sony, you're sitting on a gold mine. You own the Robotech license. Oh my Let god! Let Gerwig no. make your women of Robotech film. No! Make a movie, please. I'm gonna die. Ethan, I have some bad news. She's already contracted to do two Narnia movies for Netflix. Uh, nobody likes Narnia. Lauren, final thoughts, go. To piggyback off of what Austin just said, apparently Polly Pocket's going to be starring Lily Collins and uh, written and probably directed by Lena Dunham. I'm not a huge fan of Lena Dunham, so I don't know that I will be seeing that movie. Maybe I will. I don't know. But... I feel like in terms of like real world impact, this movie had a lot more in it for men than it did for women. And that was kind of like the biggest disappointment for me when I saw this, like for men, it was like, hey, like what if you tried like, you know, working on yourself? And for women, it was like, hey, what if you like changed the entire world in your favor in the way that's never gonna happen? <laughs> Man, you know? even the movie made by women for women ultimately appeals <laughs> more to men. men. In my opinion. <laughs> That's kind of depressing. This one is for the boys. You know, they're canning all over the place. They're canning everywhere. It's just been so much fun. We did it, Barbie. Uh, Barbie is my second favorite movie of the year. It's a wonderfully funny movie. It has a lot of good emotional beats. I related to Ken a little too hard, and I realize that reflects poorly on me as a person. But you know who I relate to that doesn't reflect poorly on me as a person? Who? You! <laughs> the person watching slash listening to this episode of Bomb Squad Movie Night. If you are listening to this on any of the audio platforms we're on, thank you oh so very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Go ahead and leave us uh, some review or something. Five stars. Two thumbs up. And if you are watching this on Spotify video, we hope you appreciated this uncensored edition. I cursed a lot this week. I don't know why. So how about you mosey on down over to our Patreon? Give us money, but donate to the strike fund first. But once you're done with that, donate to us. And if you are watching this on YouTube, thank you oh so very much for watching this episode of Bam Squad Movie Night. And how about you go on down to the comment section below and let me know. Oh, what did you think of Barbie? What do you think of Greta Gerwig's previous movies? Were you excited for Barbie when you saw it? Did you own a Barbie doll growing up? I know I did. It played a lot with my Transformers toys. And uh, finally, if you had the chance to go to Barbie land and change one thing, what would you do and why? Comment below and let me know. And while you're down there, hit the like button so you know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so you know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you know exactly when we upload new videos. Tune in next week when we're uh, talking about a movie hosted by Tim. What are we talking about? We're talking about the hit film by Guillermo del Toro, the giant mechs fighting kaiju classic. Pacific Rim. It's going to be a good time. Tune in then. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see you next time. Wait, uh, hold on. Tanner, wasn't Joe supposed to be on this episode? Oh, he was, wasn't he? Where is he? What's he doing? Every minute I go into work, I grow weaker. And every minute Barbie plays in the theater, she grows stronger.
God damn. I'm oh. sure he's fine. Tune in next week. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye Ken. Bye, Alan. Bye, Midge. Sorry, Midge was discontinued. Unbye, Midge.